0: Hello and welcome to Network Collective. We're here today to talk about networking without wires. Although our users perceive that wireless just works, we know that there's a lot more to it than that. Today we have some great guests joining us to discuss wireless misconceptions. Wi-Fi technology has become completely ubiquitous and many misconceptions among both end users and even engineers have become just as common as the technology we've come to love and rely on. Today, we have three great wireless experts to talk about wireless technology with us. We're going to start with uh, Glenn Kate, Can you introduce yourself?
1: Well, hi, Yvonne. Thank you and the Network Collective team for inviting me for the podcast. Yeah, um, I just—I uh, like to tell people I just have a passion for Wi-Fi. I just think it's fun to work with this technology. And uh, um, I've uh, worked for about 18 years at a Power Utility, uh, three years at Avar, and uh, just recently had an opportunity to start with a, a large IT distributing company. And i um, been there for about six months now. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at at GRKate. And uh, as I said, I just love Wi-Fi technology. So thanks again for the invitation.
2: All right, great. And Luke Jenkins? Hi, uh, my name is Luke Jenkins. I work as a senior network engineer at a medium-sized public institution of higher education in Utah. Uh, I've been doing Wi-Fi since uh, 1999 and been doing it full-time here at the university for a bit over seven years now. So you can find me on Twitter at at Wi-Fi Luke or my blog is at wifi_luke.com dot com. Thanks for having me on.
0: Now it's great to have you. And last, but certainly not least is Scott McDermott.
3: Hi, my name is Scott McDermott. I am a uh, network engineer in the enterprise. Uh, I do routing and switching along with the wireless. And uh, I have a passion for RF though. I like amateur radio. My parent, my father was a radio engineer so Uh, building like public safety wireless networks and that kind of thing. So I've been around radio all my life. So it's a lot of fun the last several years to be able to focus a lot on it. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at ScottM32768, which the routing people enjoy. And most of the wireless people are like, what? And uh, you can follow me or you can read my blog at MostlyNetworks.com.
0: All right, good deal. So we thought we would start off Uh, talking about wireless misconceptions um, all centered around coverage what are some things related to wireless coverage that often certainly users and maybe even uh, engineers don't understand about wireless
3: i think one of the things that comes up a lot is people's first gut reaction is well it's not working well let's add more because you know if you needed more capacity with routers or switches or something you would add additional or buy bigger. Um, And people think the same kind of thing works there, but it doesn't really work that way in wireless because it's like a giant hub. The air space around you is like a giant hub. So when you add additional APs, when they're on the same channel, now you're actually sharing capacity between two APs. So you've actually, by adding another AP, you can actually be taking away Capacity instead of adding more.
4: Now, is this is this traditionally like a, a two point four gigahertz issue versus a five gigahertz issue? That that's true, or are we even seeing this like co channel interference even at five gigahertz with adding capacity like that?
2: It, it was traditionally a 2.4 gigahertz issue, but uh, I definitely have spots on my campus where, where if I'm not careful with my settings, I can end up stepping on my own toes with 5 gigahertz. And you've it, got 21 channels, but when you've got a building with hundreds of APs in it, you, know, you, you end up with with areas of contention domains where it's you're sharing a 5 gig channel. So
4: even on 5 gigahertz, you're still running into this. Are you bonding? Is that why? Or is it just simply that you have 21 APs all
2: in the same airspace? Uh, just... It, <laughs> To, you can add additional capacity by adding APs. I mean, that is that is the core idea. Uh, the the goal is to do so without stepping on your own toes, without those extra beacons just taking away capacity. Uh, so uh, it's it's not really a, a question of bonding. I um, mean, you can go with forty megahertz wide channels, um, but uh, your clients can only connect to one AP at a time. So however wide the channel is from the AP, that's that's the width of the channel. Um, but yeah, you, you gotta watch out even in high density areas or in uh, even if you're not, if it's not all your own APs. If you were in a high rise or a dense office park, uh, you are sharing the same RF with everyone around you. So you've got to watch out of who of your neighbors
5: is using what channels and how dense they are as well. So uh, this is probably one of the more common misconceptions that I've, I've dealt with uh, uh, working with wireless is just adding more APs that adds capacity. And now we're understanding that that's not exactly correct. How, how do you mitigate against that? If you need to add capacity and add APs, what can you do to, to continue to add capacity um, and, and fix that problem?
3: Well, you have to do it intelligently. You have to know what your RF looks like to start with. So then we, uh-huh. now we're into... You know, simple tools like, um, you know, wireless scanners that show you all the SSIDs around you, you know, like Wi-Fi Explorer if you're on a Mac or Insider if you're on a uh, Mm -hmm. Windows box. So you can at least see what Wi-Fi networks are around you. If you want to get really advanced, now you start getting into spectrum analysis and you can see what's around you there. But sort of the, the, the base level is to just see what other networks are around you. Make sure that your networks, if you need to add capacity, that you know you're not using the bonded channels in such a way that you're now going to interfere with each other. Okay. Uh, and you know, if the simple one on two point four that sometimes we still see is there's eleven channels. Let's put one p on each channel, yeah. but that's you know we have one. We actually have one six and eleven because those channel the right. the wireless channels are wider than the channels that the FCC has allotted.
1: Yeah, Phil, I might just jump in there real quick. What um, we're talking about, the term is often used, channel reuse. And as Scott just mentioned, we have three channels we can reuse in 2.4 gigahertz, one, six, and 11. Then what? You've got to go back to one. Well, channel one here is channel one. It's called co-channel interference or co-channel contention. And I'm working in a warehouse right now, and uh, the utilization on the 2.4 gigahertz band is sometimes 60 70% because we can't, have not designed these warehouses that I'm working at for 5 gigahertz. We have much more channel reuse we can do in 5 gigahertz, and that's what just makes it a better band. And, you know, we often put thumbs down on 2, 4 gigahertz. It's the dirty band because there's baby monitors and there's microwaves and mm-hmm. you know, almost IoT devices and goes on and on and on. So it's good that we can uh, encourage clients to go to 5 gigahertz, but sometimes that isn't always the case.
2: So the the next tool in the the tool chest to avoid contention or uh, channel issues is uh, to disable low data rates. Um, Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi ties in uh, its it's own best friend and its own worst enemy for keeping backwards capacity back to those devices from the late 90s uh, that could probably connect up to your network if they're not encrypted um, so, by turning off those 80211 b rates of 1, 2, 5, 5, and 11, mm-hmm. uh, the, the amount of airtime needed to push the bits through the air uh, goes down, so you free up airtime. So, so, there are additional tools, other than being aware of the network and, and the RF around you, that uh, an intelligent engineer can use to, when appropriate, improve the, the RF in their area.
0: Um, I know that often engineers that maybe are new to wireless get in their uh, configuration and they see options to increase the power of the radios. Can we talk about what um, some misconceptions around the, the, the power of the radio and whether or not that actually helps coverage um, and what things to consider before you just crank up the power uh, to, the, to the max?
5: I got to say, I'm guilty of that. I remember doing some wireless projects (laughs) where I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, now I just pretend to know what I'm doing. But (laughs) just crank up the gain, you know, and see what problems I could gloss over. So I'm definitely guilty of that. Okay, guilty
1: as charged, Phil. But uh, I'll go back to my logistics centers where I work at right now. Uh, I I just started, one of the wireless engineers who was kind of maintaining everything said, Mm. well, the technicians on the the different locations around the United States would say, we don't have coverage here. So he would go in and he'd bump the power up. And so some of the power is at 50, even a few of the APs were Mm. at 100 milliwatts. Well, the thing about it is the client can hear the AP, great, but the AP cannot hear the client. And Mm. that's the real problem. We have to think of trying to amount if we can adjust the power levels to be very, I, I, as much as possible, about the same. That's not always the case, but that's a good rule of thumb. If you can keep the power levels low and so the client can hear the AP well, well so the AP can hear the client well, that's just uh, one thing. So too much power is, uh, is not good.
2: Mm-hmm. We, we call that problem the, uh, the alligator problem, where alligators have very large mouths and they're very loud. They have itty bitty little ears. So uh, you want to make sure that you're, you're balanced with your, your clients as well as you can.
3: Yeah, and if you're thinking about it, you know, you've, you've got two transmitters. You have one transmitting in one direction and one transmitting in the other direction. Just because, you know, if you have something with more power, it's just louder. It's It can go further, but, you mm-hmm. know, if you, the guy with the big squirt gun can shoot the guy with the little squirt gun, but the, the guy with the big squirt gun's never going to get wet from the guy with the little squirt gun.
5: That's good. That's good. I like <laughs> that analogy. It's really yeah, good. No, no, it really it does. does help me. Yeah. The issue that I had, and this was probably... <clears throat> Eight, nine, ten years ago, was uh, in a manufacturing facility, and they were using voice over IP phones uh, um, over wireless. and uh, uh, And the managers of the facility, they each had a phone, and there were literally two hundred of these phones. Very large facility, and they would walk around having conversations. Uh, A lot of the time, you know, when you talk about roaming and stuff, it's not really roaming in the sense that people are like holding their laptop and walking, you know, Mm -hmm. and and trying to. They're They're going to a conference room to their cubicle, things like that, but they were on the, and and the calls would not necessarily drop, but they would get bad as they switched from APs, and we would track that, and you'd hear little blips and things, and so I didn't know what to do, and and the VAR that I was with, I, it was just my job, and, and to figure it out, and I just cranked the game, and it seemed to smooth some of that stuff over, um, and uh, and then I talked to some of the senior guys when I got back to the office, and they were like, no, no, that's that's not right, so...
0: Well, and there are also uh, antenna placement. I, mm. I have seen pictures from my place of employment where antennas are mounted near the floor behind a <laughs> metal desk. Yeah. And then we get complaints about clients mm-hmm. who can't connect. To the the wireless and the network's terrible. So, mm-hmm. what are what are some misconceptions about antenna placement? Um, and also, what's what's the best way to place an antenna? And ha- how do, how do you think through? Scott that? Ju-
4: Scott just had a demo. Yeah, okay. that's
3: how I well, you. <laughs> so, i, I got, for those of you who are listening instead of watching, I have an AP <laughs> with two antennas: one pointed perpendicular or one pointed vertically, the other horizontally, and that's not usually what you actually want. The, normally, you want them both facing the same direction, and normally you want them to be vertical because mm-hmm. the, it, it's not a laser; it doesn't shoot out of the end of the antenna. It's actually a big donut around. <laughs> Which would be the amazing antenna.
5: if it did. But <laughs> anyway,
3: but uh, all, you know, you see that all the time, and it's mm-hmm. almost never actually what people intended. And then a lot of times, it's just it's in a place where people can hit them. You know, if if you're like in a in a school or even in a hospital, just wherever. You know, if it if people can reach it and the antennas are sticking down, somebody's going to hit them, or you're just going to it's going to get hit accidentally. Um, you can have a, uh, a helpful end user. Oh, I know better
2: than that. They need to go like this, or they need.
5: To- oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not just end user though. <laughs> I, the last the last bigger wireless project I did was about a year ago, and it was at a university, and uh, we had summer interns putting in. Uh, well, we had cabling people that would mount them, right? The cable and contractors would mount the APs. This was the 2702 with the externals, high high ceilings too, and uh, and then the interns came in uh, and got on either ch- the cherry picker or the or the ladders and put the antenna on for us. Antennas. I learned that by the way. It's not antennae. That's just for insects. It's antennas with an S. Um, and they would they put them like 45 degree angles. So if you can picture that the the square of the 2702 and then the the four antennas. They they were pointing out 45 degrees angle this way and then out at the corners. And they were interns. So I'm like, you get back on that ladder when I got in there. (laughs) And I and I described it to them as a blood cell. So it's not necessarily like empty in the middle. It's it's thin. You know, if you can picture a blood cell flat on the ground. I don't know if Scott disagrees with me on that, but that's kind (laughs) of that's how I that's how I described it to them. I I prefer don't that's you know boston creek you know whatever but uh that that's that was my experience about a year ago it was fun i i remember that and, and just looking up and seeing like something like 700 and something ap's throughout the uh, the entire campus and in that building um I don't know, two hundred, and I'm just like, you get back on that ladder, kid. You know, so. It's fun. So we're talking a
4: lot about the the shape or pattern of the, of the yeah, signal. Yeah. So the assumption here, and just just for the clarity of those who may be following along who don't do a lot mm-hmm. of wireless, this is an omnidirectional antenna, right? So this. Oh, this good is point. One, good call. This yeah, is yeah. one that point that point that that sends signal out. Right. In, in a radiating fashion in all directions. Uh, there are directional antennas which change the pattern completely. I mm-hmm. think some of the more interesting wireless antenna placements come from those. Um, yeah. No, my, <laughs> pointed completely
5: the wrong direction.
2: No, but even with Omni,
5: you got to be careful. I'm sorry, I cut, cut you off. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. My my favorites are are the mix and match, where it's a couple of directional and a couple of Omnis, and and people think that it's going to be you know best of both worlds on the same AP
3: on the same AP. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And but it, but it, wait, horrible. it's not. No, it's not.
3: <laughs> no. Well, the the other thing that you know people. uh, as far as like AP placements and stuff. I, I remember one site, they were complaining that the wireless was really horrible. So I show up there and uh, originally because of budget and whatnot, and early in my career with wireless, probably the AP had been placed on top of a desk mm-hmm. and the, uh, you know, was sort of like this organic growth thing. Anyway, it was a long time ago. The, uh, the staff didn't like the AP because they were like, ooh, it's radiation, that's bad. So they had moved it down to the bottom part of the desk, but the bottom part of the desk, the whole front of it was lined with this nice um, metal uh, skirt thing with holes in it that was very artistic and pretty good at uh, attenuating RF. So it's like we, I, the AP can't be here. It will, It doesn't work out where you want it to work when you have it behind <laughs> this piece of metal. So people just, you know, a lot of... This is more of an end users moving things around who, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't necessarily expect them to know what they're doing, but, uh, you know, people, they don't think about the, always the impact of what is around where the AP is installed, (laughs) because we see them a lot where they're mounted up in the HVAC stuff and there's all these conduit and stuff and it's like, how do you expect the signal to go around all this?
5: Yeah. No. yeah, it's, it's wireless. Not magical. No, I, I, uh, I I remember wireless doing quite a. It is. It's magical. I remember doing quite a few just simple office installations with, um, you know, drop ceilings and uh, having to go in to troubleshoot. Uh, and the uh, the AP with internal antennas was just mounted on the white the metal frame that holds the drop ceiling, so it's upside down on a ten foot ceiling. And you know it, it was lousy, lousy coverage, and I saw that so often. So uh, you know, but, still omnidirectional. Phil.
4: <laughs> Phil, we want wireless, but we can't see the APs. You mm-hmm. just can't. You can't see uh, them. Yeah, you know, everyone's nope. nodding their head. Oh, heads come for on! That's so common, audio. though. That's so common. I say, that, say that. that. I say that because I worked a project. A while ago, that was they wanted outdoor wireless.
5: Yeah. And
4: uh, and it was uh, it was over a pool area at a resort. And uh, and they were very very concerned about the aesthetics of of, of the way things looked, um, but but there was like forty feet of nothing mm. but concrete and steel between the where they wanted to put it, <laughs> 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 and, 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 and where and where it would actually work. And so we yeah. had a, we had a spirited conversation yeah. uh, <laughs> about the effectiveness of RF mm. through through concrete. Yeah.
5: And, and I'm okay and with that though. I'm okay with customers that say, look, we have a, you know, it's a jewelry store. I've done that. You know, it was a jewelry chain in my area, jewelry store chain, and we don't want them hanging down, you know? So, you know, I get that there is an yeah. aesthetic and you take that into account, but it, you know, Well, my favorite, my favorite is the, throwing you it know, in a drop this, ceiling. This is the cookie cutter office building. and we
4: can't have a, yeah. uh, can't have APs hanging from the ceiling like every other cookie cutter office building that's out or,
5: there. But that's that, that's my own little gripe. So yeah, it. I'll, I'll it's, get it's a legit gripe because now. I I remember seeing them all over the place, and I'm like, well, isn't that a fire sprinkler? Isn't that a emergency light thing? Isn't yeah. that the, what, what what are you talking about? Do you want wireless or not? You know, so that's definitely um, a misconception that I've come across. That you know, it's just an internal AP. You could just throw it in the corner, throw it in a. Uh, you know, in the, in the local closet, literally in the local closet on the shelf or throw it uh, in the drop ceiling upside down and, and you're good. Um, that's not true. <laughs> you could probably get away with it if there's seven people in your office and you're sitting there. You know, I get that, but not, not true. Yeah, you know,
1: Phil, you mentioned that there's a couple of tags along with that. Yeah, light of yeah. sight is what we often say. Mm-hmm. So if you can hang yeah. the AP below the, uh, the plenum, below the drop ceiling, that's great. Uh, there's a vendor now that if you'll send them a picture of what your your wallpaper or what your screen or what your uh, grid looks like. Uh, They'll make a skin that you can put over your external antenna or put over your AP and it is amazing Hmm. how it really causes that AP to reflect and to actually mold right back into wherever it's mounted, whether it's wallpaper or a drop ceiling. So that's kind of a cool thing too.
5: Yeah, the opposite for me though. To see, like, cool access points mounted everywhere properly is, like, I'm, it makes me happy. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool looking. I'm out there with my phone taking pictures. I don't want to hide them. Bring them out for everybody to see. that's well, I mean, not only, that's fun, the only that,
1: but antennas are beautiful things. I'm a ham radio operator along with Scott. And, you know, if you <laughs> yeah. can see the antenna, it's a beautiful thing. But yeah. I, this aesthetics thing runs into the problem. So, I understand sure. that. Uh, I will mention one thing we we're talking about power. Uh, a patch antenna will do a couple things for you, too. It'll give you, like, a bigger megaphone, if you will, and also mm-hmm. bigger ears to your um, access I, point. I, I'm so if you, you have that. something – okay, yeah. yeah if you because have, we, uh, eight,
4: go ahead. This, t- this, this ties back right into our initial conversation, right? Extending signal range, right? We don't want right. to just boot, boost up transmit power. But I want you to explain, because I can tell this where you're headed, how an antenna can change that dynamic. How you can extend a range on the same output power with an antenna and how that works in your favor with with client
1: devices. Sure, absolutely. Okay, let's say you have a patch antenna and it has 3 dB gain. Mm -hmm. And as RF engineers, we use the laws of 3s and 10s. 3 dB means you're doubling your power. 10 dB means you're multiplying it by 10 so let 's say you have a ten milliwatt um, access point i' uh, gives you milliwatts for that, and you have it mounted at the top of one of our warehouses but you don't want that signal 40 feet up in the air. You want that signal, that RF down as closest to the people where they have the hand scanners and the forklifts and everything, correct? Mm -hmm. So you'll use a, let's say a 3 dB um, patch antenna. So that will not only broadcast, it will double that power, make 20 milliwatts, but also project that power so it's closer to the floor, as opposed to an omnidirectional antenna 40 feet up in the air. And the only really, Thing that can hear that forty uh, that access point forty foot up in the air is the other access point about twenty feet away, forty feet up in the air, right? And so that's a a, it's a directional antenna, but you get that antenna uh, signal down. But mm-hmm. that access point also has three dB of receive gain as well, so mm-hmm. it can hear that weaker signal and double the um, amplification of, of that signal as it goes back to the access point.
2: Right. So you're. So you're- Oh go ahead, Luke. Yeah, one other piece on that, Glenn, is that it not only uh increases your your reception in the area of interest, it also makes the uh the rest of the area uh you know in the, the sphere um less sensitive, the AP less sensitive to those areas. So uh directional antennas are great for a uh, sports arena or a bowl to where you want to uh separate what's going on in the bowl from the uh the areas around it. Um, So you can use directional antennas to increase sensitivity in some areas and make you uh, more
0: deaf for other areas. That's really good stuff. So we talked a lot about coverage. Um, We're going to move on to uh, another area where there are lots of misconceptions. And we've touched on these a bit, but I'd like to go a little deeper. Um, What about capacity? We talked a little bit about uh, 2.4 gigahertz and how you have three channels basically of use. And then we've talked about five. Uh, can we talk a little bit about some of the misconceptions about adding capacity to a wireless network? Um, and then really what we should know about how to increase our capacity. Any thoughts?
3: Hire a wireless engineer.
0: Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Mr. Wireless engineer.
3: Uh, yeah, it's ser- You know, Keith Parsons uh, is a well-known in the mm-hmm. wireless community, and he likes to say, "Coverage is easy; capacity is where it gets hard." And and that really it is because now we're having to deal with you know where are we putting the APs? What kinds of antennas are we putting on the APs? Uh, what power levels are we running these APs? What channels are we using these APs? Are we using the wide channels? Are we using the narrow channels? It, it, just the, what are the clients? And all of these things, you know, it's like. Fixing fixing capacities like saying, you know, go install a data center. What's it with <laughs> Okay? <laughs> you know, it's it it, it it there's just it's it's just chock full of variables. So I
0: can't run 50 clients on a low-end access point, for example, and expect them There's to be able to work well. There's some vendors who say well. you can.
3: I'm not sure about that, though. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, and it, it might work great if if all you need is super simple, like say they're the Internet of Things devices, and they just need a few k per second, maybe even less, to send little packets of, "Hey, here's my temperature. Here's my temperature. Oh, I need to open this gate. Okay, open this gate." So you you have to really look at the the whole. A whole picture. The whole equation of of uh, what what are the client devices. What are the applications that are expected to work. Um, if you're going off of capacity for an arena or or a, an area where you can have the public in uh, what's your take rate going to be how many devices per person, how many are active, how many are just in pockets doing background data. So um, there really are a lot of variables that need to be considered um, I, I think if you're you're a network engineer and you're looking to expand out into wireless. Um, the CWNA course is, is a great way to kind of you know, first look at this, these sorts of things that we deal with as wireless engineers.
0: Good deal. I heard I'm you sorry, mention there's no
3: easy answer for that question.
0: <laughs> no, that's that and that's part of what we want to flesh out here is that capacity is not an easy question to solve and you're not going to Uh, necessarily solve your capacity problems by just adding another AP when you've got lots of clients in a space and you've got limited spectrum, especially if your clients require 2.4, right? Um, So I heard you mention clients, and I know that we have some strong opinions about client devices, but what are some wireless misconceptions surrounding Wireless clients, because it's a two-way conversation. It's not just the AP. There's a device that's also talking on our wireless network.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Am I going to have to call on somebody?
4: <laughs> Come on, hey, Scott. Phil. I know Phil. you have a...
0: <laughs> hey, Phil, um, can I, go ahead,
3: Scott. I oh, no. jumping. If, if I, you want to go, go.
1: Okay, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, I told Phil earlier, clients suck. I mean, I'm sorry. As you said, one for a client's Wi-Fi would work great, but every client has usually their own characteristics. Is it an Android device? Is it a Mac? Is it an Apple? Is it an iOS? Is it a notebook? Is it a tablet? Um, what are they trying to run? Um, yeah. Are their drivers up to date? Uh, it's one thing after another. If every client was perfect, it would be great, but they're not, yeah. and they're different, and that's just what makes uh, to quote many wireless engineers we often say, and there's, here's the percentage that is often thrown out 80% of wireless problems are client related. 80%. Well,
2: I'm glad you got to remember even if it is the latest driver, uh, often manufacturers uh, aren't quite testing their drivers as well as they should or with the exact combination of, of gear and applications that you're running. So it's not just is it the latest driver, but it is is it the best driver?
3: Mm-hmm and then we're we're trying to design these networks to work for these clients but it's kind of hard when most of the manufacturers don't tell us how they make their decisions so you know it's like well at what point in you know say you know it's a client on a phone walking down a hallway and he goes around the corner at what point does the signal have to change or the difference between this signal and the signal of the next ap you know, how is it going to decide when to roam to that next AP? You know, does the signal have to get really bad? Does it? Is it going to say, oh, this one's much better, I'm going to move? I mean, it's just the, the decision-making process of all these clients is different, and very few of the vendors document them at all. So it, it makes, you know, you can, you end up having to experiment, and then you make it work well for maybe one client, and then the next week somebody shows up, to use it and they're using a different client and it doesn't work worth a darn for them because their client has a completely different structure uh, for its decision-making process.
4: You mentioned something there and it was, it, it, you know, I think it's probably a misconception here and it's roaming, right? I know in, inside you know Cisco Wireless LAN controller, like we have the ability to kind of influence that. We can say when we want a client to start hunting for another AP. What, what DB no.
2: level? Um. <laughs> <laughs> there there are some tools, but, but they're a little bit more barbaric than right. – than, <laughs> <laughs> They're more That's like, hard, when yeah. do we want to suppress probes and, and deny association requests? Right. Uh, but uh, we are actually starting to get some tools, though, um, along with what you're talking about with the new 802.11 – well, newish uh, – KVNR. Uh, these are some great new standards out of the IEEE that are slowly being adopted by more and more clients that that help us treat the wireless, the Wi-Fi, uh, more like a cellular wireless network, where the mm-hmm. infrastructure has more influence in the clients uh, in their initial and and subsequent roaming decisions. So I brought that up
4: specifically with the idea that regardless of what tool you have, you know, inside the, in the inside the WC or whatever it is that you're running as your as your controller. Um, or whatever ap you 're using you don 't necessarily even if the tool is there or there 's a setting that 's there it doesn 't necessarily mean the clients are going to respect it right the clients the clients are autonomous they 're going to make their own decisions yep. uh, and, and so there 's a variability there that 's pretty hard to manage. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and every client has its own secret sauce, Jordan, of how it's going to do it. You know, whatever's chipset, whatever driver, it has yeah. its own secret sauce, and they really don't tell us how to do it. Mm-hmm. Other than it's probably more than likely it's related to SNR, signal noise ratio, and signal strength, or SSI. Those two are usually factors, but there's other things involved, and we as engineers don't know anything other than we just have to make them work or let them do their, <laughs> let them do their thing.
2: So, if, if uh, listeners want to actually see an example of this, Apple is one vendor that has published some of this info, uh, at least for initial associations, um, Scott and Glenn, I don't know if, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head if it covers roaming as well. But They do
3: have a little bit of information about how more recent versions of iOS and maybe even macOS, or excuse it, me, OS X, I don't know, whichever it, it is now. Mac,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, but they do have a little bit of information about their decision-making process mm-hmm. for r- roaming decisions. Yep.
2: Yeah. So, so kind of the things like, do I will a client associate to uh, an open network over a secured over uh, you know, PSK over dot one X? All these different things. So it's it's one exact a- example for a certain subset of of devices. But it is interesting to look through kind of one thought process on how that works. So cool. then you- have to experiment and extrapolate that to, okay, how else could somebody do this? And what, what's this client doing? Could it be this? So I, I am a little bit envious um, of people like Glenn in his current ex- deployment where where he's probably focusing on one specific device and making the network awesome for barcode scanners or two or three types of devices. But uh, for those of us in the more public <coughs> area, you you have to try and support every device out there and do the best you can. So what do well,
0: you, oh, go ahead, Uh I was just gonna ask about clients and I know we talked earlier about lowering data rates or, or turning off low data rates in your AP so that your clients function better. Um, can, can one of you like unpack why that's so important and, and what is going on in the client and in your wireless infrastructure that makes that so beneficial?
2: Well, I, I took uh, one stab, so Scatter Glenn, will you, will you take another stab at
3: it? it, it right. So what we have is uh, when you have people, it's, it's like we've got slow talkers and we have fast talkers. And basically it takes a lot longer for a slow talker to say the same piece of information than it does for the fast talker. And so what we try to do is basically say, you don't get to talk slow on this network. You can only talk fast. So that way people are on and off exchanging the information very quickly, which leaves that airtime that we talked about earlier. That there's less of that airtime is used because they t- come on and off the air so quickly, which improves capacity because now more people can get on and off the air quickly instead of you know having one really slow client talking really slow and taking up a lot of airtime, and then the, the 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 fast ones are sitting there waiting for it.
0: Mm-hmm. And and that's due to the nature that wireless is is at its core a shared medium, right? You're not you clients have to be polite and take turns and allow one another to talk. It's mm-hmm. not like a, a switch where they can all talk at the same time. And not yeah, it's a giant hub. Another, it's not right? a switch. <laughs> right. I don't think we can ven- emphasize that enough.
3: Yeah. Despite what some of the vendors will tell you, they will say switch performance or switch like performance. And that's just a horrible lie because that leads people <laughs> to believe something like full duplex. Cause that's what switches are. You can talk and you can yep. listen and talk at the same time. Mm-hmm. And in the wireless network, we can't do that. Nope. One thing gets to transmit and one thing gets to, li- well, actually multiple things can listen, but only one thing can be talking at any given time. Mm-hmm.
0: Good deal. Other thoughts on client management?
3: I have a question. So we
4: we were talking about how you know clients make their own decisions, and as much as we try to influence things, it doesn't necessarily always go that way. One of the one of the you know major influencing things that we try to do is band selection, right, or band steering, where we try to steer clients towards five gigahertz over two point four. Same issue there, or do we generally find that clients respect band steering?
3: No, clients are horrible. <laughs> if, if the client wants to connect to 2.4, it's going to connect to 2.4. But it, I've seen more and more clients that are – well, actually, I guess mainly it's just the 11AC clients. But all these 11AC devices, they're like, I'm going to connect to 5 gigahertz mm-hmm. because I would rather connect to an 802.11AC network than an 802.11n network. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the biggest factor affecting migration to 5 gigahertz at this point. Is the client – well, it's the it's that the client says, "I want to connect at the best technology I have," and my technology is eight hundred two hundred eleven AC, so I'm going to try to connect to the eight hundred two hundred eleven AC okay. network. I think, and I would hope that all the clients would try to connect to the best network that they could see most speed, up to a certain point of RSSI. We don't know. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: All right. So, seems like the summary of our conversation is that. Uh, There are all kinds of misconceptions around wireless networking. One thing I thought earlier is that if you don't know what a Faraday cage is, go Google it and then don't build one around your wireless access point. That's or, that's, or your Im- that's, Im- yeah. <laughs> that's your client. That's a client, right?
3: That Although, if you can one build one your one. building inside one, that might be helpful.
0: Oh, that
5: would be great. Yeah,
0: <laughs> got it. Got it. All right, no Faraday cages if we want wireless to And it's pronounced our takeaway, Fresnel. huh?
5: <laughs> and it's pronounced Fresnel, not Fresnel. Huh? Just to throw it out there,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> you
5: guys know what I mean, right? Fresnel zone. Yeah. yeah, yep. yep
0: gotcha okay all right anyway not related to faraday no
5: (laughs) (laughs) but it's something that hurts me so anyway sorry (laughs) yvonne
0: no it's fine um you know we're happy to let Phil ramble here, right? Oh, thanks.
2: thanks.
0: No. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for joining us to discuss uh, the wireless misconceptions. Um, before uh, we sign off, I want to give my co-hosts an opportunity to just introduce themselves and tell tell you where you can find them. All right, uh, Jordan?
4: Sure. Uh, I'm at Jordan on Twitter. I blog at jordanmartin.net. All right, great. And Phil?
5: Hey, you can find me at network underscore Phil on Twitter and the blog is networkphil.com.
0: All right. And I am Yvonne Sharp. You can find me at esharp.net or on Twitter at Sharp Network. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Network Collective.